Well, good morning, Identity Church. I hope y'all have had a good week. We are busy as busy can be. You know, it's good to be busy. It means you're still alive. <laughs> you you, you want to be busy. You want to be breathing. That, that's Those are all good things, right? You know, the thing that the Lord's been putting on my heart this week, and I'm I'm praying that the Holy Spirit can help me with this because I have been having a really tough time this week being able to express what the Lord is putting in my heart through this message. And one of the reasons for that is because we as Americans, and, and I think in the world and in the church world especially, we've become complacent. We have become complacent in our ability to step out and to believe the things that God has said in his word. We, we create opportunities to be able to talk to people because we don't want to offend people. We don't want to, to go into a, you know, a, you know, doctrinal battles. I was at work not too long ago. I had this person and they started telling me all the reasons why God still doesn't do miracles or he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, answer prayers, but that we're still, still supposed, you know, all we're supposed to do is be down here waiting on him. Well, you know, just being saved and stuck and then we're waiting, we're waiting for death. Well, heck, why don't we just get saved and let's just have somebody kill us? It would be a whole lot easier. I mean, if you've got no promises and you can't have everlasting life today, if you can't stand on his word, then what are you doing? I mean, just go ahead and shoot me because I'm just going to live a defeated life and I'm just going to be waiting to see what happens. Well, please, Jesus, get me to heaven. You know, if Jesus wanted you to go to heaven, he would have killed you. You'd have gotten saved, bam, you're in heaven. But you know, that's not what the word says at all. We're supposed to do things like stand when we can stand no longer. We're supposed to believe his word and have faith. Now people go, well, isn't that just being saved? We need to just believe and be saved. Well, there's a lot of other things in his word that we need to believe God for. I mean, he didn't do all these miracles just to go, well, I'm Jesus. He did them. And then he said, and greater works will you do? How many people are missing the greater works? I'm missing them. I, I'm, I'm tired of not seeing the greater works being done in people's lives. I'm tired of the same old constant rust. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, every time I hear somebody, we were believing God for, for healing with, with Sue and with other people this week. And we've had some miraculous comebacks when we didn't think they were going to be there, right? And God is faithful but you know what? The first thing that, that Satan does, even to myself, is when something comes against me, you know what happens? He, he whispers in your ear. Oh, yeah. It, you know, Heather said something under the power of the Holy Spirit about, about Harper, but I want you to understand it in the, by the Holy Spirit too, is that in John 10, 3, it doesn't say that we wouldn't hear other voices. It says that we would follow no other voices. We're going to hear plenty of voices. I mean, we're, we need to know that the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. But we also need to understand that we're going to hear other voices. And Jesus is saying, don't follow them. Don't, don't allow those voices to become the thing that you give into. You know, one of the things about giving into something is that it's easy to float down the river. It is. You know, we used to go to the Alabama Adventure. We'd go take kids. I remember we'd do youth trips and we'd go and you'd, I'd turn the kids loose and they'd go to all the theme park stuff and I'd go get in the lazy river, sit in a big donut, you know, thing and for like four hours. Me and Heather, we would just be like floating around, the, you know, and you get to the very end of the day and you were like, oh, I'm tired. I'm waterlogged. I'm hungry, which I was a lot. And, 
And I would, it, but the thing is, is that I didn't float. I didn't fight against the current. I just floated. And you know what happens when you just float? Is that you give yourself to the flow. And whatever the flow is, that's where you're going to go. Thank God it just goes in a big circle at Alabama Adventure. But in life, it goes off the cliff. It goes out into the deep waters. It goes into things that we don't want to be in. And guess what? We're supposed to turn around and fight upstream. There are things that you're going to talk to people in your family. There's people that you're going to have conversations with at work. There's people that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. And they're going to give you the flowing downstream conversation. And I'm not saying that you go get into fisticuffs over the Bible, okay? But what I want you to do is I want you to go in your own heart. No! It's not the way I'm going to believe. You know, there's a lot of times I have people come up and I know that they're not going to receive something. So you know what I do is I go, well, I'll tell you, God's word says this. And, you know, brother, I, I'm, I'm just believing that his word is going to be true. And I go on. Because when they're trying to flow downstream with everybody else and trying to explain away everything with science. See, if you could see in the spirit, you'd start realizing that things are being held together by the spirit. You would start understanding that there's things that can't be explained. And the things they try to explain are just simply false. Because they're looking for an answer. They want to ask why. And see, when we ask why, what happens is, is we get into the same, the same old conversations that just take us further and further down the river, away from where we're supposed to be. See, you're supposed to be fighting up river so that you have the promise. It, the further you get away from the promise, the more you got to work to be able to get back to the promise. I know this is going to hurt a little bit, but I want you to understand this message right here, I can't get rid of it, so you're going to hear it. Sorry. <laughs> this is the point. We need to understand that we, if we don't fight then we're going to fall. And if we fall, we're going to be carried away. You know the old saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything? That's what this whole country is doing. The church is doing it. You go talk to 90% of the people in churches and they start going, I haven't believed God for nothing in my life. I accepted Jesus and that was it. And that's all there is to it. Wow. That's a pretty horrible life. I think that we have more people that are living in their own created hell on earth than you could ever have created for Satan himself. They have God on earth, the Holy Spirit, being with us every single minute. And hell is just separation. Is there going to be some flames and some fire? That's what the Bible tells us. But I'm going to tell you the worst part about it is that God won't be there. Right now, every atheist, every agnostic, every person who believes in something else, God is here and is still comforting everyone. If you think it's bad now, go to hell. And I'm not telling y'all to go to hell. I'm just telling y'all that if you went to hell, if you went to hell, there'd be no God. There'd be no comfort. See, this is the problem that we have in our society is that there are plenty of people that go, oh, it's so bad. No, it can be worse. I mean, go to a third world country, you, you are a billionaire compared to the people in that country. You are Elon Musk rich to them. We live in the 1%. I don't care if you live in a box out on the street down here, you still have more access to things that people in the third world country, they would kick them if they even tried to get to it. You, you don't understand how good you are until you've been out of this place. Because this place, the, the guy that has nothing sleeping in a box, at least he has a box. At least he has clothes. I was in Santiago, Costa Rica, and there was people on the street wearing nothing but underwear in places. 
And they were trying to find shelter and food and things. And people just kicked them. Get out of here. You stink. Get away from me. Yeah, in, in America, we would take those people, we'd give them clothes. All the people, you go downtown and go see all the people who are homeless down there. They're wearing clothes. They've got stuff. They can go to the nearest place and get food if they want to. We have the richest poor people in the world. It is what it is. I, I'm sorry if you don't believe that. I, you, you're just wrong because it is what it is. You can go and look at the statistics. The 1% of the world lives here, and it ain't the rich people. It's the people making less than $5,000 a year that, that make more than the people in India, the more than pe people in China, more than people in South America. And you go, well, I'm poor. Our kids working at Chick-fil-A make more than they do. And they live in better houses and drive better cars. Guess what? A lot of them don't have cars. Now, this is not about going, well, you're in a great place. Just feel better and we're going to, you know, everybody go eat some soup. No, this is a wake-up call. This is for us to decide today, are we going to start believing what God has for us to believe in His Word or are we just going to just, ah, let's just, let's just make it what it is. Let's just flow down the river with everybody else. Now, I'm going to tell you, you're not getting a, well, you backslid and you're going to hell. That's not what this message is. There's a bunch of Christians out here. There may be people that are Christian listening to us. The world is out there and they need Jesus. But I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to people who are already saved. I'm talking to people who need to start believing God. And guess what? You may go, well, Dusty, I'm a really good Christian. I believe God. And I go, well, I got news for you. I read the Bible a lot. I believe God a lot for a lot of things. And I still don't believe God for everything that's in his word. There's things that I'm still having to deal with with my own heart. And see, those are the kind of things that I want to get out of my life. God's dealing with me and saying you need to believe for him. You need to believe for things for yourself so that you will be healthy and so that you will continue to go. See, people don't understand. Oh, Pastor Dusty, you stand up here every single day. I'll tell you something. Do you know that most people don't know this, but I was going into kidney failure last year, and most people don't know that. I had stomach issues, and they were giving me medicine for it, and it was causing my kidneys to fail. And I started believing God, and I got off the medicine, and I started doing things. And I'm better, but I'm not there. But guess what? My kidneys are back in the normal range. Praise God. Do you know that when we start believing God for something, does that mean that it's just going to be all roses and it's going to be perfect every single time? No. I'm still working through things and I'm still having to deal with things on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. And you know what? I'm still going to keep walking. I'm still going to turn around and I'm going to go upstream rather than let it take me downstream. Because I could have just said, hey, you know what? It's over with. Heather, let's start trying to figure out what we're going to do because these certain things are going to happen. You know what? I walked away from that place. I said, in the name of Jesus, that report is wrong. You know, people go, you're crazy. You're cra the doctor knows more than you do. The doctor doesn't know anything. He's practicing medicine. You know, I practice guitar and I don't sound like Eddie Van Halen. So, you know what? I'm going to say that practicing gets me in the ballpark. I can play, you know, I can play Eruption, but I can't play the way Eddie Van Halen plays Eruption. See, that's the point I'm trying to make is that in everything that we do, God is taking us from glory to glory, from victory to victory. We're not sitting there going, well, you know what? Sonia's victory is what I'm going to live my life off of. And I don't want you living your life off of my victories. Every single one of you have a purpose and a plan and a call. And God has stuff for you. And I don't want you to just see the four walls you're in. I want you to see that there's no ceiling. God's taking you to new places. Amen. We haven't even gotten started yet. I'm going to read some stuff and then I'm going to get to my... I'm going to get to where we're at. 
We're going to be in Ephesians 4, and then I'm going to tie some of this stuff back to where some of these scriptures came from originally. But Ephesians 4.17, and this, this Ephesians 4.17 is when Paul is, Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus, and he's talking about how you can be a Christian. In fact, if you have a Bible that has headers, it'll say something like the Christian walk or the new man. When you get to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. And when it gets here, there is a point that he is trying to make that we don't understand. Because we didn't understand Ephesus. We don't understand Ephesus at all. Because we don't live in Ephesus. We live, in fact, there was no place on the planet that was like the United States of America. It has never been. This place is the most free and safe place that has ever been. Are there people that murder each other? Absolutely. But you know, I can typically go and find all the, go to the news and you find where people are murdered. Well, they were murdered because of a couple of things. They were dealing drugs. They went to places they weren't supposed to be. You know, you typically, and I know there has been, there's some outliers, but typically people are just not randomly picking houses and going, I'm kicking that place in and I'm going to go in and I'm going to take from them. Most of the time they want to know, hey, there's drugs in there, there's money, there's something, and I'm going to get a payout for going through that risk. See, we are the most free and safe place ever. Ephesus was not it. In fact, if you apply American beliefs to Ephesus, then you're going to miss the point of where Paul was coming from. In fact, you tie this back to Acts chapter 19. In fact, if you're taking notes, write Acts chapter 19 and you'll go find out exactly what's going on in Ephesus. Because Paul starts writing to the, to the Ephesian church because they're dealing with worshipers of Diana. Now, Diana was a sex goddess. Well, it's kind of hard to pull people out of, of one religion when they really liked it. That was supposed to be a joke, but it's true all at the same time, okay? I'm telling you, we don't understand. There's nothing in America that prepares us for understanding what Ephesus was. Paul goes in there with his friends and the whole, the whole city wants to kill him. You know why? Because they were taking away the brothels. They were wanting the, we go worship at the brothel. We go worship with the people and these, these things, uh, Diana, the goddess, uh, we, you're trying to take away Diana, my, my, my goddess. Well, you know what happens is when you start going in, you start talking about Jesus and Jesus starts changing hearts and you start going, you can't live those lifestyles anymore, man. How many people has went and told some folks about that in the last couple of years? You start going, well, if you accept Jesus, you can't be you know, homosexual anymore. Or you can't be an alcoholic or a drug addict. Well, that's true. I, I, don't, I don't want anybody to, to think that you clean the fish before you catch it, right? I mean, you can be all of those things and you can get saved. But there's going to be a point where Jesus is going to deal with you about your life. Just like he deals with me about things in my life. And if you go, well, you know, I got saved and Jesus, I've never listened to a word from him. Well, then you know what? He's not Lord in your life. You probably didn't get saved. Sorry. Because Jesus has to be Lord. I'm asking Jesus, what do I need to do? When you go find people and they've... They've been in those lifestyles and they've had drugs and alcohol and they've been in, you know, gender issues and all these other things. And they actually get saved and they start talking to Jesus. Guess what happens? The Holy Spirit starts dealing with them. We've known plenty of people that went from all kinds of lifestyles and they're like, man, Jesus really dealt with me and, I, and I'm, I'm different now. But see... That's something you can't say. You get canceled. Because most of the churches, the Methodist church and some other churches that are out there, they'll go, oh, that's all fine. We all serve, serve God. We all do the same things. 
Well, you're starting to find out that a lot of these churches that are starting to believe these things, they're starting to become universalist churches. They're not becoming Christian churches because universalist churches says, well, I have to start opening up idealisms for everything else. I can't just have one idealism. See, complacency says the further I get down the river, the wider the mouth of the river becomes. There's more and more that I've got to accept. Well, I've got to accept this in my life because there's just more and more that I have to accept. If I want to have a job and I want people to, to, to like me, ooh, that's a big one. How many people want to be liked? Raise your hand because everybody wants to be liked. But I'm going to tell you, if you're living a life to be liked, then you're living a life that is flowing down river away from the promises of God. I'm sorry. I know this is tough. Just go ahead and put your band-aids on your, on your toes because there, there's more coming. All right. I haven't even started this. Good Lord. All right. Jesus help me. All right. Ephesians 4, 17. And Paul is talking to the Ephesian church. And it says, Verse 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you shall no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having understanding darkened and by the alienation from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of their blindness in their heart. Your heart is your belief system. I love Romans 10, 9 and 10 because it says that with, by a man's heart shall he believe. That's a definition, by the way. It's our heart that is where we believe. It's not up here because guess what? I hear a lot of things that I allow into my mind because I have to do it on a day-to-day -day basis and they sound factual. And my mind will go, that's factual. And then all of a sudden my heart says, let's, let's dig a little deeper because that was really thin. And then you start digging deeper and you start going, well, wait a minute. There's not a lot of truth to it, but it sounded good, right? How many people's heard things that sounded good, right? That, that's the thing is that you'll hear stuff that sounded good, but if you believe with your mind, you'd believe everything that came at you. Like people who watch TV and YouTube and TikTok and all the other stuff. Because if you have no grounding of your foundation of your belief, then everything you hear, you take in and go, okay, I guess that's true. I mean, uh, you know... I had no grounding and foundation I tell everybody that my grandfather told me that women had one less rib than every man. Well, you know what? For the longest time, I believed it because I didn't have any other thing to stand on. Thank you, Papa. <laughs> I was the one that looked like an idiot. But see, those are the kind of things, if I don't have a foundation, then everything I hear becomes true. Well, guess what starts happening? You turn on Facebook and the algorithm starts taking you and you start believing everything. We, we get into the midst of Jesus is coming back in five seconds. Okay, he may. But let me just tell you something. I'm living as if though he is going to come back in five seconds, but I'm also going to do the things that I need to do. I don't want it to be like Y2K. You know, I got into the technology side of things because they needed people. It was if you could read a book and you could go out and do the work, that's, that's how I got into to this field. And it was all because of Y2K. And so I go, to, I go to these people. We had a guy that was at church, and he was sending us documents, news clippings about, and he was a leader in the church, and he would send it to us, and he would go, all the banks are going to forgive all of your mortgages and everything else because their computers are not going to be able to handle it and it's going to be a great reset. And everybody was trying to take the, the year of Jubilee. How many people have been in a church where you have the year of Jubilee? If you haven't, I, I know that some of you come from maybe a Baptist or a different background maybe, but in, in the Pentecostal churches, the year of Jubilee after 50 years, all your debts are supposed to be paid for. Hallelujah. And we're going to get you in the place where you're going to receive. Well, you know what happens when you get there? You go, the bank still remembers. <laughs> because they spent billions of dollars to make sure that you still pay your bills. But see, that's the problem is that we get into that cycle. And if all we believe is what we hear and we don't have a foundation and we don't know truth, 
then our heart will not be able to tell our mind, shut up, that's stupid. <laughs> All right, I'm going to try to keep going here. And it says here that uh, in verse 20, it says, but you have not so learned Christ if indeed you had heard him and uh, had been taught by him as the truth in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt uh, according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, we've got other scriptures in Romans 12 where it says that we're not conformed to this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know, I use this all the time. Reba thought this was a good one, so I'm going to keep using that. But I've got liquid in here, right? Is it conformed to this bottle? Yes. But what if I put this bottle in the freezer? Is it still going to be liquid? Is it going to be like this? No, it's going to be transformed into something else. It's going to be transformed into a solid, right? And I could take that solid and I could throw it at you. I could hit you. I could cool off your your drink. I can do a lot of things with ice. But see, water conforms, but ice is transformed. And see, when we transform ourselves by the renewing of our mind, that means that I turn my thinking and my belief system into something that has never been before. You may be thinking, well, I'm never going to have anything and it's never going to be good for me. And that's what you believe every single day of your life. And guess what happens? You are conformed to that belief. That's who you are. That's your identity. You know, I called this place Identity Church because when my identity started changing to Jesus' identity, then I no longer conformed to the world, but I was transformed into what Jesus said about me. And see, that's one of the reasons why we need to renew our minds so that we can be transformed into something that we weren't before. There's a lot of areas in my life I need to be transformed. Say, Dusty, be transformed. That was weak. Okay. (laughs) Verse 24, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God. And it says, in true righteousness and holiness. Now, what, what I want you to, and, and I've got this one on the sheet. I thought I would give you the background because the Lord gave all this to me really quickly. So I didn't get to put all this down. But I wanted to give you some background so that you understood that if we don't understand that the Ephesian church was a cesspool, the people who got saved in Ephesus, they were going to be murdered. How would you like to get saved and you go out here and all of a sudden the, the Buddhists down the street or the, or, you know, the, the, the Wiccans or whatever, they're coming after you. Well, that's what's happening to them. That's why he kept saying, you have to be conformed. You have to stand strong. You have to go with the things because what happens is, is that if you are being threatened, and by the way, we're not being threatened. Somebody comes against our faith, it's, oh, well, you know, science tells us this. I got news for you. Science has a lot of good stuff, but science is also wrong. We find out that all the time. You know, settled science is a stupid word because science means that it's something that we are theorizing about. And then we find out facts. See, science is not fact. Fact is fact. Science is the, um, the, the process, the methodology. Thank you of us being able to see something and hypothesize that it might happen. Once it becomes fact, which I can tell you, all these lights that are in here, there is a settled fact about how electricity works. All the, you know, all the frequencies that we're using in order to get this sound out to you and uh, all the data communication that goes out, it's settled. We know how it works. It's a fact. But if you start going to the Big Bang Theory or, or, oh, there's some other theory that's out there and people start putting all their, their eggs in that basket, then essentially you have faith. It's, it's a religion. It becomes as religious as anything else. See, I'm not religious. 
A lot of people go, well, I'm in a church. <laughs> Shouldn't you be religious, Dusty? No, because religion is the way that I want to see God, not the way God actually is. Just go look at... Do- I, I'm, I know that sounds weird, but go to, go to the, the Baptist doctrine down... Pick a Baptist church down the road. Pick a Methodist church down the road. Pick a church of God. Pick a this, a pick of that, a pick a pick a pick a. When you get to the end of it and you start comparing them all, they've changed little things about their belief system in order so that they are their own thing and not something alike. You know, there's a lot of scriptures in there that was like, hey, especially in Matthew 24 where he's like, and be together... In the same doctrine, because he says that so that we'll be one as the church is one. Well, what happens is that we create religion to be able to tell people who God is, not the other way around. And that is a problem. If you want to go look at our doctrine, we have some some doctrine out there. I'll tell you exactly all the things in our doctrine. I have no problem. But I'm trying to go Bible-based doctrine to be able to say, hey, if it's in the Bible, I'm going to believe it. Well, Dusty, you believe there was a well that, that ate Jonah? I don't have that on the website, okay? So if you go out there and go, well, Dusty, you don't have anything about Jonah being ate by a well and then three days later. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll go at it. But the Bible says that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe it. But I'm going to believe it in context. I'm not going to take your one little scripture because I want it to be different from the church down the road. See, this is not stepping on denominations. I don't think there's a problem with some, of the, some well, there are problems with some denominations, okay? But some of them, I, I think, okay, we're, we're all fine. We, we believe the same thing at the higher level. So don't look at your Baptist or your Methodist or your Episcopal or your or any you know Catholic or any other doctrine and go, well, you're of the devil because you go to these places and I go to a Bible-believing church. Well, they believe the Bible too, but there's just certain things that they've tried to explain away. I'm not saying that I'm right about everything. I may preach something and one of y'all come up and go, well, I want you to... I want you to think about this. And I go, oh, that's a great scripture. I'm going to really meditate. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit teach me something. And I might change the way I believe about that. But that's not on my doctrine, right? It's the things that we know that's on our doctrine. That's why Christianity is better than denominationalism. And that's exactly what the Ephesians were having to deal with. All right. So we just read from Ephesians chapter 17 to 25. Here, this is where we get to the real deal. Ephesians 4.25, it says, Therefore put away lying. Let each one of you speak the truth to his neighbor. What truth are they speaking? That Jesus is Lord. That there is no Diana and Jesus. That you can go to the brothel on Saturday and you go to Jesus on Sunday morning. That was what they were doing. This was it. If you want to know how the Ephesian world was working, five days, six days a week, they went to the brothel to go see Diana and all their priestesses. And then the next thing you know, it was like, well, come over on Sunday and you can come hang out with us. And they'd be like, okay. Well, they would go, well, then Diana and Jesus are the same. And see, that was the problem is that that was not the truth. And they needed to be able to speak the truth that, no, that's wrong. And that is not who Jesus is. And it says, for we are members of one another. Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now, I've heard this preach that, oh, we're not supposed to be angry past 5, 6 o'clock at night. How many people has been taught? Well, just don't let the sun go down. You're angry. You can't be angry after like 4.30. Well, and it changes. You know, you only get so much angry time because if it's winter, you know, then you get, you get a whole lot less in the winter time. But in the summer, you can be mad, woo, till 9 o'clock almost, Right? Well, guess what? That's not what this means. What this means is you're supposed to be angry and sin not. You know why? 
Because we're not supposed to let the sun take away our anger. We're not supposed to allow that wrath, that, that, that thing that was giving place to the devil, place anymore. We're supposed to be mad about it. We're supposed to go in like a hurricane and get that thing out. And see, when we, when we just float down the river then we're not getting mad. We're not doing nothing. We're just like, oh, this feels pretty good. Man, what's that? Sounds like a waterfall coming up. I don't know what's about to happen. But see, this is the thing. Jesus is saying through Paul, he's going, I need you to start going towards the things that the devil is trying to get put in your place. Does that make sense to y'all? Some of y'all are looking at me like, huh, Dusty? See, if you don't understand that if you give place to the devil and you just let him eat your lunch and pop the bag like Andrew Womack says all the time, then you know what's going to happen? You're going to get to the end of something where you are tired and you're sick and you have no friendships or you have issues with your kids or your spouse or there's a problem in your life. You have issues with your job. There is no peace in your life. And you're going to come to that place where the devil has put something in it and you're not able to get it out. It's kind of hard to get angry when you've been beat down how many people's been in a sauna? You ever been in like, you go in there and after a while you get out of that thing and you're like, oh God, can I just get back to the room and lay down? That is what happens in life is that we become so complacent that we become atrophied. And see, anger means that I'm going to get up and I'm going to get mad and I'm going to fight. And we don't fight just like, oh, well, I've been sitting on the couch for the last 15 years and now I'm just going to get up and fight, uh, you know, the Mike Tyson or whoever it is that's, that's the world champion. And you go through that and you get your brains beat out. No, no, no. Every day you get up and you fight against the devil. Every day you don't let him take your place. Every day you don't give place to him in your family and in your job and in your friendships and in your health and in all the things that are going on in your life. You don't do it. Get up. Get strong. Start fighting against him. And in verse 29, it says, let no corrupt words proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification that it may impart grace to the hearer. Now, I want you to understand something. This is how we fight the devil. We don't fight the devil by, there's the devil. I'm going to punch the devil. Let's punch the devil. Where's the devil? I'm going to punch him. No, we need to edify ourselves through our words. I go find promises and I start standing on them and I start speaking those words. You know, we came from the, the word police at times. We had people that would be in, and they would say, you know, you'd be like, be careful, Charlie. And there'd be people who would say, I'm not going to be careful. I'm going to be careful for nothing. That's what the word said. I don't know if you've ever been around those people, but you start going, I'm not going to say goodbye to you ever. <laughs> I don't know who you are. I don't want to know you. I don't want to do anything because every time I get my head bit off. But see, those are the kind of things that I'm not talking about. I'm not saying that if somebody says, well, be careful. Well, am I really being, you know, careful? Like I'm putting cares in my life? No. <laughs> see, this is the thing. I'm preaching the word to my circumstances. I'm preaching the word to myself. I'm preaching the word so that I can walk away and know that the word has taken hold in my heart. Amen? Because you know what? The devil comes up and he sideswipes you and your heart is, is not troubled. And you go, that's all you had, right, devil? That was it. That's all you got. And that was pretty stinking pathetic. You know, I call the devil pathetic all the time. I had somebody go, you don't want to t tell the devil that he's pathetic because he might come after you. You know what? I want him to come after me. I want to punch him right in the face with, in the name of Jesus, you get out of here. Go look at what Jesus said. Jesus didn't go over there and go, 
you know, the devil would come up and go, well, if you're the son of God and you're hungry, turn these rocks into bread. And he went, come here, Satan. I'm going to punch you in the face. He said, the word says that a man should not live by bread alone. You know what? After like two or three punches with his words, what happened? Satan left him for a time. Because when you believe something and you say it with your heart, you can move mountains. Mark 11, 23, 24. See, that was why Jesus, I love it, Mark 11, uh, 22, Peter's all happy because the fig tree, it's, it's been, it's, it's wilted up. Because Jesus had talked to him in the last chapter and said, fig tree, you don't have any figs, die from the root. They go in, he flips all the tables because of the money changers. They come back the next day, he comes walking out. Peter sees the fig tree that they had passed two or three days before. And he goes, Jesus, Jesus, look, your words, they meant something. And Jesus was like, have faith in God. That's exactly what he said to him. He didn't go, have faith in God, Peter. He was like, my God. I spoke over this fig tree. We went to the temple. We go in there. There's money changers. And I take a 500 pound table and I flip the thing end to end. Not I pushed it over. The man was probably 200 pounds soaking wet. Reaches down and grabs a table that's made of wood and rock. That was probably as long as this room. And flips it over. It meant That word meant that it went end over end. It means the power of the Holy Ghost came on him like Samson did because he was so indignant by what was happening in his father's house. You know, the other thing that was happening was there was probably 50 temple guards that was there with swords and he had no swords. And they were, if somebody had done that, they'd have cut him down. See, we just think, oh, Jesus was in the middle of this place. He flips a table and no one really gives two, two shakes about this. You know what? They were upset. I bet he made the whole town upset. There was people that were having come aparts because Jesus just flipped my table. They didn't learn. Everybody thinks, well, Jesus gave them a nice little talking to and he flipped the table over and they were all like, well, you're right, Jesus. No, he flipped that town inside out and nobody touched him. You want to talk about a miracle? That was a miracle. And Peter is happy about a fig tree that was wilted. Thanks, Peter. I'm glad to see that you've been paying attention for the last three days. And then verse 30, it says here in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We talked about this a little bit last week. Do you know that when we were sealed with the Holy Spirit, we believed what we heard. We, it was in our heart and then the Holy Spirit came in and he sealed our spirit. It means it's like vacuum packed. It's like I was telling you, dad used to sell meat and it would be, you could go to the meat case. That meat case was nasty. I mean, how many people would like to lick the meat case? Anybody? Okay. But do you buy meat out of the meat case? Well, it's because it's vacuum packed. It's sealed. There's nothing getting into that thing. Well, you know what? The Holy Spirit came and did the exact same thing to you. The world can come. It can be sitting there. But don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't try. Don't go back to the, to the brothel like the Ephesians were doing. Oh, well, I got saved and I came here, but my brother-in-law came along and said, hey, well, you need to worship Diana. And I go, well, I just wanted to tell him about how good Jesus was. And the guy said, well, you don't want them to find out because they'll kill you. Okay, I'm going with you. We're going to Diana's, you know, temple. See, we don't gather or understand what's happening because we live in such a safe environment. Well, this is a Christian nation. People don't believe it. I can be a Christian and walk down the road with a cross, with a hat, it says Jesus is Lord. I can do all that and I'm not going to be attacked. But you go and you do that in Iran, what's going to happen? They're going to kill your butt. See, this is the problem that we have is that we need to put ourselves into understanding that these things are more important than just um, applying them to my life with an American idea. 
Because we need to understand that these people actually had to fight a fight, and you have to fight a fight too, but your fight is not like these people's fight. In fact, we can fight that one with two hands tied behind our back, and we'll still be okay. See, this is one of the things that I want you to know is that I want to untie your hands. I want you to get out of the flow. I want you to start fighting because Jesus has more for you. Amen. Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, uh, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, I want you to understand something. There was a discussion about the devil. And Jesus gives you free reign to go nuts on the devil. You can have all anger and malice. You can have wrath against the devil. He's like, good, do that. But when it comes to people, and that's what we're talking about here, he's saying, hey, let all that stuff go. Turn that away from them and put it on the devil. Because we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this world. We're not fighting against people. We're fighting against Satan. You know, when I had all these people, I had the guy this week, and he told me, he said, well, you know, when Jesus was on top of the mountain and he looked out over the kingdom and he said, all that you see, when Satan said, all that you see will be mine. And he goes, well, that was just a lie from the devil because Jesus already owned all the kingdoms. No, he didn't. Jesus has not owned the kingdom since Adam and Eve gave it over. See, God gave lease to Adam and Eve. Well, then Adam and Eve subleased it to the devil. So the devil... and, and Anybody who doesn't believe this, just look at our government right now. How many great and, you know, godly things do you see happening in our government right now? None. You know why? Because Satan has people and greed and malice and all these things that you see down here. These are the things that are controlling us. That's controlling our governments. And this is one of the reasons why we need to understand that Jesus himself said, hey, I don't need any of that. I need individuals. I need each one of y'all to get saved. And if I can get each one of y'all to get saved, the kingdom of God is being propagated in each one of you. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 27, this is not the first time that this has been said. In fact, David himself actually did this when uh, Absalom, his son, was chasing him, trying to kill him. In fact, if you go back to Psalms chapter 3, you can read Psalms 3, 4, I'm sorry, Psalms 1 through 5. It is believed that David was in the midst of fighting for his life against his son Absalom when he wrote most of those. And see, David was in a place where he was probably in his 50s or 60s, he has a son that's in his 30s that is his oldest son and he's already decided that he was going to make Solomon the king. And what does Absalom do? He comes and he basically messes everything up. And David is actually fighting for his life again and he wrote Psalms chapter 3 and Psalms chapter 4. And in Psalms chapter 4 we see this. In fact, there's only eight verses here so it's really kind of you know, I can get through this pretty quickly, but I want you to understand that Paul used the same context that David was being used for. There were people that were trying to hunt them down because of what they believed and what they stood for. Absalom was doing it to David and the Ephesians for Diana was doing it to the Christians. In verse uh, 1, it says, To the chief musician... With stringed instruments, a psalm of David, hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Having mercy on me and you hear my prayer. How long, O son of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehoods? So you have to understand David's in the midst of the fight of his life. And he has people that are attacking what God had set up. See, David didn't set Solomon up. God set Solomon up. David's just the one that had to go tell his oldest son, you're not going to be king. So talk about shoot the messenger, right? 
But this is the problem, is that when we have no way of being able, like people who don't see in the Spirit, like Absalom, he goes, by golly, I'll take this sucker. And it says here in verse 3, it says, But know that the Lord has set apart, made wonderful for himself. That's what this word set apart means, is to be made wonderful for himself, him who is godly. See, God looks at the heart and man looks at the stature. See, David did not look like Saul. Saul was like 6'6 or whatever. He was the tallest guy. He looked like he should be king. I am the strongest. I'm the biggest. I I have the best speech. And then David comes along and he's a a ruddy looking runt. Red-headed, fair-skinned. You know what happens is that when we look upon people that we go, God's not going to do anything in that person. See, that's what God says is you don't know what the heart looks like. It's not something that's on the outside. By the way, circumcision was the exact same thing of why God started circumcision. People go, why in the world would God want to do that to men? That sounds awful. And it is. But you think about it. It's something that is hidden away in the privacy that no one else can see. See, your heart is where God is going to see who you are, not what you do on the outside. There's plenty of really good people, by the way, that's creating burn hospitals and doing all kinds of things that people go, oh, that person. I mean, Bill Gates gives away billions and billions of dollars, but he's a horrible person. Horrible! Well, why doesn't God just make Bill Gates everything? Because he would take your meat from you. By the way, that's a doctrine of devils. Go, go look it up. The doctrine of devils is forbidding people to eat meat and to not get married. What are we doing t- nowadays? The world is coming out, the UN, all these different, the world forums and all that. Let's not have people eat meat. They're incentivizing people to not get married. There's the doctrine of devils, and we have to understand it. We have to go beyond that. We have to get past it. I just want you to be informed because if you're not, you see all this stuff and you start letting it just carry you down. It's fine if people don't get married. They can live together and they can do all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you've got people who have baggage because they were with like 27 people. I mean, it's some of the numbers that you hear of these people that are like some, some of our young people that they're having sexual relations with up to 40 and 50 people. By the time they're 30, you don't think that they're not going to have messed up heads and and belief systems? I mean, by God, they're not going to trust nobody. But see, we're teaching through feminism that women can be whatever they want to be. You can do whatever you want to do, but your consequences are going to be your consequences. And see, we just keep floating down the river. Just let it go. Oh, that's fine if my kid or my grandkid or somebody else is doing that kind of stuff. They'll learn. They'll sow their wild oats. And by the time they're done with sowing their wild oats, they're going to be in hell the rest of their life. I know this is hard. I, I, I apologize for how hard this is, but I can't stop. I, this, this is something that the Lord has put on my heart. You need to know about it because your kids and your grandkids and the people that are around you, they're going to hell. They are in hell now. This is not about after they die. They can get saved, but they won't believe people. They won't trust people. They won't have a, a good footing to stand on. And I don't want my kids to do that. I want my kids to grow up and I don't want them to be screwed up. And if you want your kids to be that way, then by God, go do it. But I feel sorry for you because there's going to be a point where you're going to have to deal with it. The Holy Spirit's going to go, you know, you did that to them. There's a whole generation of people that an older generation did not do the right things. See, we should have had a drug problem rather than a drug problem. We should have had narcotics and everything taken away and we should drug our kids to church 
But what happened was is the parents didn't want to go to church because they had been drugged to church. And then they screwed their kids up, and we have a whole generation of kids that has just floated down the river. It's, it's sad to me, and, and I'm, I, I hope that you hear from the Holy Spirit the way it's being told to me because I don't want to see anybody's kids. I don't want to see anybody go and live in a hell like we have today when Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly now. Not in heaven. Heaven's going to be great. We don't need any extra stuff there. But right now, we need life. In fact, we need people who have went through that because you're going, well, I, I can, I can kind of hear it. Well, Dusty, what about the people that's already done all that stuff that you've talked about? Well, you know what? Jesus came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. That word, to give it to us more abundantly, means that he erased the past and he allows the future to carry on. It means your past, present, and future, you will not be, in, in ham, you will not be in hindered by that. This is my point. This is not, well, you know, we should go and make people who have done made bad decisions, we should make them feel bad. Let's just go do that. Everybody, let's just go, let's go find people and let's make them feel bad. No! See, making people feel bad doesn't do anything. And so sometimes we preach a message to try to make people ashamed so that we change a behavior. But that's a flesh thing. That is not a spiritual thing. Oh, I'm going to say it again, because if you don't understand that, if I shame somebody, I'm trying to change them in the flesh, not in the spirit. Because I'm trying to shame them into changing what they see, hear, taste, smell, and feel. Their five senses. That's the thing. And you'll have a lot of churches that will do that. They'll, they'll go, hey, well, drug addicts and people who do all these things, they're really bad people. And you go, but what did that change? Maybe it changes the behavior. Maybe it doesn't. But see, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to change the way you see yourself and know that who you are in Christ Jesus. And if you know who you are in Christ Jesus, then you know what's going to happen? The rest of this verse. Because it says here in verse 4, it says, Be angry and do not sin. Meditate, or this word meditate means to command within your heart on your bed and be still. Selah. It means think about it, know that it is true. See, we're supposed to be, be angry and sin not, and we're supposed to command ourselves to line up with Jesus. See, that's exactly what David was saying. I'm afraid, I'm upset, I'm ashamed, I have all these fears, I have all those problems. And the Holy Spirit's going, you know what? You're not mad enough about it yet. You haven't went and commanded your heart to say, God has always had me and his promises to me are yes and amen and I'm not going to give up. Because if you fight the good fight of faith, then guess what happens? It says, you offer sacrifices of righteousness, which means just right standing. It means I know that I'm in right standing with God. How many people saved in here? If you're saved, you're in right standing with God. God has called you righteous by Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did this morning. You could have gotten in a fight with somebody. The single people that came here, you could have gotten in a fight with yourself this morning. Okay? Doesn't matter. What's happening is, is that you are righteous in Him. And it says, and put your trust in the Lord. Verse 6. There are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. Verse 7, you have put gladness in our heart more than in the season that their grain and their wine increased. See, there's always a harvest. There's always something that God is going to do in your life. And see, this is one of the things that you need to understand is that when this, these things happen, verse 8 is your reward. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me to dwell in safety. See, we have this sense of safety because we live in, we live in a created world based upon godly principles. 
That's what America did, was we changed most of the Western world into a safety that was based on godly principles. Well, you know what? They didn't have that back then. There was threats from internal and threats from external. There was threats from family. There was threats from friends. There was threats from their neighbor. There were threats to everything. Heck, David was the most godly man in the world at that time, was a man after God's own heart, and he had a man's wife and also killed the dude. That's how bad it was. That's why we needed Jesus. Think about how bad David was and he was the best. Think about how bad it was when, when the flood happened. Because it was measurably worse. See, I want you to understand that if you don't, if you don't get anything out of today other than the fact that there, and yeah, you can come on up, Matt. That if you don't get anything out of today that you have to fight, even when you go, ah, there's not much to fight for. No, no, no. Praise God we don't have to fight the things that they had to fight. Amen? Praise God that we've got it better than they do. But we still have to fight. The stream may not be as fast. It may not be as flowing. But we still have to turn around and we have to fight upstream. Amen? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, just help each and every person that's listening to this, that you personally teach them how they can fight in the areas that they've just been going upstream, just letting the, the flow just take them downstream, Father, and show them ways that they can turn around and fight. Show them how that they won't give place to the devil. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you are working in people's hearts right now to understand the goodness of God and where God wants to take them and that they see the promises of God, that they can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens them, that there is peace that passes all understanding that's in their hearts, their belief system, and in their minds, even the things that they hear, that they see the goodness and the peace of God, that they are able to understand it and they're able to uh, weed out all the bad things and father we just thank you that you supply all of our needs by your riches and glory that by his stripes by jesus christ stripes we were healed so if we were healed then we are health and father if all of those things are true which i believe they are then i'm going to keep fighting the good fight to make sure that each and every one of those things, that I'm going to see the greater works that's going to happen, that we're going to see the greater works as a church, but individually, the people that we are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Father, I thank you that there's going to be people that's going to come back with testimonies where they laid hands on the sick and they recovered. I thank you, Father, that there's going to be people that's going to come back and say, there was no peace in a situation and I brought peace by being there. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that there is relationships that are being brought back together. Father, help each and every person to see those things and to start fighting. Fight against what the devil's trying to take the place in their life. If it's their their weight, if it's their health, if it's whatever it is, God, I just pray in Jesus' name, show us how to fight. There's areas where we need to know how to fight, Lord. We don't know how to fight all the time. But Lord, show us what we can say and what we can preach and how we should know. Because there are a great crowd of witnesses that are out there that are looking at us and saying, well, those people are Christians. And Father, I don't want to look like the world. I want them to see something different. And I want to live the life of God here on this planet before you take me to be home. And I want my kids to see it. I want them to live a good life. I want there to be goodness in their life all the days, all their days. I want my grandkids and my great-grandchildren and my children's children's children to just have the blessings of God, that they're not taught something different, that they don't fall into the trap of the world where they just be are taken downstream to the point to where they don't believe anymore. Father, I, I pray that there's a, there's a remnant in the earth that's going to go out and it's going to create opportunities 
so that the world will change and that we'll all turn around and we'll spit in the devil's eye and we'll say, we're not going to let you take one place. We're not going to let you take one thing in our life. Father, I just pray over each and every person as they go this week. I thank you that you are giving them hope and strength that you're showing them areas where they can go and they can fight and that it's going to change and revolutionize their life i thank you there's going to be goodness that's going to come out of it that people are going to be saved and set free that there is going to be relationships brought back there's peace in their life there's health in their life thank you for leading people across their path that they can minister goodness to Father, I pray over this time of food and fellowship. I thank you that there's going to be opportunities for us to love on each other and, and to grow from each other. And Father, I pray over the food that it is blessed, sanctified, and we thank you that it nourishes our body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be down here at the front. You're dismissed to go eat. Thank you.